Hello, we're back with the final episode in this series of podcast episodes, the series that is the interviews with the new teachers in Fodder School 3. And today you're going to be hearing from Suzanne Randers of Mitt Creerum on Instagram. And it is a lovely, lovely interview. And please go check out her Instagram page as you start listening so you know the type of art that Suzanne loves to make. Suzanne is a wonderful human being, and I know you're going to enjoy this episode. A little bit of an update on the podcast. So after a long run of interviews, which are wonderful, but also incredibly time-consuming to produce, I am going to go on a podcast hiatus and take a break for a while and focus on doing fodder school and having fun in fodder school myself. I'm so excited about this month that we're in right now, which is our Julie Hamilton month. Julie is, I would say, basically a world-class collage artist, and I don't want to miss a second of my opportunity to explore with her holding my hand. So I'm going to take a deep dive into what Julie has to offer in Fodder School 2 and also get ready for Fodder School 3, which starts on October 1st. So if you have not yet signed up for Fodder School 3, please take this opportunity to sign up now. You can go to willowwanders.com and find, you know, you can find your way to the Fodder School page and find your way to Fodder School 3 registration the most fun way to experience fodder school is experiencing it with a group of people who are doing it from around the world in real time as much as you possibly can. It is just peak fodder school. I'm not saying you can't do fodder school without everybody else because you can and there are thousands of people around the world doing fodder school in their own time. They're not doing it with the group. But the people who are doing it together are definitely experiencing that peak fodder school experience. So with all that said, here is the final episode in this podcast series with Suzanne Randers of Mitt Creerum. Welcome to Show Up or Shut Up, a podcast about prolific makers, specifically in the world of mixed media art. I'm your host, Wendy Solganic, also known as Willa Wanders, and I'm here to explore the ups and sometimes the downs of being a prolific mixed media artist. I've been a maker my entire life, and I've had four, yes, four separate careers involving art. In each episode, we'll talk to artists about how they became prolific makers, why they make art, and the struggles they go through. We'll talk about being an online creative, social media, and how to navigate that world if that's what you're into. Whether you're a casual art lover of mixed media art and collage, or a serious artist making a living with art, whether you're a handmade book artist, an art journaler, a 3D assemblage creator, a fiber artist, a collage artist, or everything all at once. I hope you'll join me on this journey into the world of mixed media making. If you like this podcast, hit the subscribe button and leave a review. You can find me, Wendy, at willowwanders.com and on Instagram at willa.wanders. 
and at fodder.school. Welcome, everyone. <laughs> Welcome to the, to the makeshift podcast, Show Up or Shut Up, where we don't know how to use technology, but we're trying. <laughs> Today, I have my guest, Suzanne Randers, who you hopefully know on Instagram already. Her Instagram account is Mitkrerum, and that is spelled M-I-T-K-R-E-A-R-U-M. And Suzanne, my first question for you is going to be, tell us what the translation of Mitkrerum is. Into yes. English. Yes, I'm I'm here from Denmark and Mitkrerum in Danish means my creative space. Which so, is such a beautiful thought. Yeah. It is. It, it I created it back in 2013 when I started a blog too called Mitkrerum and then I have never looked back. <laughs> so, so you're in Denmark and yeah. how far north in Denmark are you? I am just south of Copenhagen, our capital. So it's it's very centered in in Sealand, a little town, a big town called Kø. So I'm just very close to our capital, but still living at the countryside. Gotcha. And how do you know? I'm so interested in genealogy. How long has your family been living in Denmark? I think that forever, I guess, but I've heard that my name Randers is a Norwegian name. So I'm not sure because we have a city in Denmark too called Randers. So everyone thinks that I'm from that city, but I'm not. But I feel very Danish and my skin and my hair is Danish. And I'm my husband is a redhead, <laughs> redhead. So I think he's totally Viking in his blood, I guess. So he's Amazing. never freezing and wear shorts all year. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I really, really want to come visit that part of the world someday. I just think that the history of it is so fascinating. It is. It, it really, really is. is. It really yeah. is. So that's really interesting. So as far as going back, all the grandparents that you have recorded, everybody was born in Denmark or maybe as far away as Norway, but like not outside of that region, like not outside of that Denmark, Norway, Sweden region? No, I don't think so. But I only know my generations, I don't know, five, five times back, I guess. So five so times I'm back not... is pretty good. Yeah. Have you ever had your DNA tested? No, no. It's so funny. I should probably start a podcast about genealogy because <laughs> everyone that I talk to I want to know about where their ancestors <laughs> are from okay let's go back onto the oh, art so okay yeah. okay so let's see where do we begin so tell me about the origins of your creativity as far as your childhood well I think that I was quite creative when I was a child. I remember visiting my two grandmothers and my one of my grandmas, my father's mother was always gardening and my mother's mother was always making her own clothes. And I just loved being around those two wonderful ladies. And I think that I might have picked up my flower obsession by one of my grandmothers and my desire to just sew from the other grandmother. 
but they died when I was quite young as an adult. I haven't been creative along them. But my own story is that I was about, I don't know, 13 years old, maybe. Then I just totally stopped being creative. And then I was just doing all the school jobs and all the homeworks and growing up very fast. So I think that I was 37, 38 years old when I picked up my creative journey again. So I had this major gap in 25 years where I wasn't creative at all. That is so interesting. So that major gap, do you think that you were pursuing all the things that you thought you were supposed to be pursuing, like in the sense of you're in school and you think you're supposed to be getting good grades and then you're supposed to be going to university and you're supposed to be getting a quote unquote real job. Was it kind of like that? Just exactly. Yeah. I was living my parents' life, I guess. They had a good education and they had good jobs. So I was just pursuing that. And I think that They had this thinking that if you should be an artist, then you should have a proper education. You just couldn't be happy, creative in your spare time. So it was just that to my parents, I don't think that art made any sense at all in their life. So I've never I've been never been introduced to art through my parents. So I had this normal job at an office doing what I thought that I should do. Until I was 37 years old, then I suffered from stress and I realized that I couldn't just live the way I I lived before. So I made a decision back in 2013 that I should no longer work behind a computer, that I should from now on work with my hands. And then I should look the people in the eyes that I was making a difference for. So that was a very deep commitment in my soul and body to just do something completely else that I have been doing the past 25 years behind an office computer desk. Wow. So did that feel like a huge risk for you because you were giving up this job that you had for so long and you were now going into territory that you hadn't previously gone into before? Yeah, I had a colleague at that time when I suffered from stress who was starting to block. And she told me about this app called Block Loving, and I've never heard of it. And I think it must have been 2011. So I went on Block Loving, and then I started to follow Lisa Congdon. And I followed my colleague too. And today she's a very famous, my colleague is a very famous chocolaterist. I don't know. She works with chocolate and she bakes cakes. Her name is Maya Chocolat. I think that she has 200,000, maybe 300,000 followers on Instagram. But she was the one who introduced me to all this block world. And I found out that, oh, so many people are living a creative life, maybe in their spare time, maybe in full time. But it is okay. It's possible to be creative also as an adult. And it was just, I had, to me, it was some kind of missing link because for me, artists were shown at a gallery and they make big paintings. And I've never heard anything about art journaling or mixed media 10 years ago. So it was just totally eye-opening to me to just enter the block. And later on, Instagram, where I just connected to the entire world, having the same interests as I have. So it's like technology has its 
detriments and its benefits. And no matter what, it's hard to escape that there's these two polar opposites going on within technology, which is it can be like the thing that sucks the life out of you and the thing that drains you. And then it's also the thing that has connected us around the world. Yeah, Mm -hmm. in a way that there's no way that I would have returned to my creativity the way that I have without technology. It was through Instagram. It was through online platforms. And blogging, blogging is pretty huge as a connector. And it was 10 years ago, that was the connector was that whole blog world. And it's a beautiful thing that it helped people to see that you can do these things and you can connect with that part of yourself. So it's hard. I'm sure you struggle with this. The whole, it's not easy balancing creativity with the technology sitting right beside you, not getting sucked into scrolling on Instagram, being having awareness of how much time you're spending on technology, which is not the thing that really soothes your soul. No, but the worst part of the technology, when I think back, it it was that I wasn't free to do what I wanted to do. I think that I was project coordinator, administrator, working with accountings and all that stuff. And I was just multitasking all day long. And I had this email where I could, in one day, I could get 50 emails telling me what to do. And I had to navigate in all those emails. And I think that I needed to be more, I needed to find myself in it. And I needed to single task more. And I needed to do things that suited my soul and not all other people's soul. Because I had this wonderful job where, I suffered from stress and I was working in Dan Church Aids, raising money for the poorest people in Africa. So it wasn't that I had this job where I really made a big difference, but I could just feel that I was fainting inside. It was just only sitting there looking at a computer the entire day. It was not what my soul needed. My soul needed to work with my hands. So do they call that development in Denmark? Like that type of job. In America, they call people who do fundraising full-time, they call them development officers. I don't know what my job was title. It was administrator. No, not administrator. I have forgotten. It's 10 Were years you ago. actually on the phone with people <laughs> asking them to no, make No, no, I was not. No, I was not on the phone. We had volunteers. It was through the Danish church. We had volunteers and we had, we have people on the street, but I was not on the street and we had people phoning people, but that was not me. I was working with the volunteers and I was working with this one year. We had this big event where everyone was at the street raising money. And then we had a lot of local activities, fundraising. So it was a good job, but it was just, I wasn't fulfilled in some way. And when I look back, I had spent lots of money in my 20s and my 30s buying art supply. I was buying art supply because I was dreaming about living this creative life, but I didn't know how to do it. And I think that I didn't allow myself to just play around and make mistakes because it was, I think that I had this limiting beliefs that it should be a masterpiece and it should be something that you could display on a gallery. So it was just like, well, then. I'm not that good, so I shouldn't just 
play around. I just go to job and do what I was best at that time. So you just nailed the question, the thing that I'm always navigating in my own mind and trying to help other people navigate through, which is if we're not making art for a gallery, if we're not trying to be an artist with a capital A, what is the role of art in our lives if inside we are very visually creative? Like if that's our happy place, then what do we do? What do we pursue on a day-to-day basis? What is the purpose of our life if the art that we're creating isn't intended to hang on someone else's wall? So tell me about that. What, what I found what were out- you purchasing? It- I was purchasing canvases and acrylic paints and a lot of pins and watercolor equipment and yarn and embroidery thread and yeah you name it at bets I made a lot of jewelry just for myself and my friends but it was just to me the big the biggest exploration was actually to just put it in pretty pretty boxes and open the boxes and color coordinate everything and then close the boxes again. I have spent years color coordinating my stuff. Your supplies. I love, yeah, my supply. I love color coordinating everything and I still do. (laughs) So I think you're touching upon a commonality amongst the people in these communities, for sure, fodder school and all the other similar communities is that collecting art supplies is part of the experience and it's part of the joy and there's something energetic about these supplies that does make us happy. And if people need to kind of figure out in their own mind, like how to be okay with that and not feel the guilt that a lot of people feel with that, I think that's really important. So as you were collecting all these art supplies and and organizing them, color coordinating them was a really big part of your experience. Were you feeling guilty about not using them as much as you thought you were supposed to be using them? No, I don't think I, I feel guilty at all, but I feel sad inside that I didn't allow myself to play with it. I can remember I was dreaming about this creative life and I was, I have, in 2011, I guess, I started reading Julia Cameron's book, The Artist Way. And I read week one and I thought that, but you are not creative because it was, I had bought all these materials, but I didn't know what my creativity was. And I jungle around that, juggle around that in one or two of the years. And then after I got stressed, I thought that I need to just do something. I don't know. I don't need to know what my creativity is. I just need to start experimenting. And then I just took that commitment and I opened my blog, Mikreerum, uh, and I started with chapter one again in Julia Cameron's book. And then I wrote out to the entire world in Danish that from today I am reading Julia Cameron's book, The Artist's Way, and I'm blogging through the book for the next 12 weeks. And that was what I did back in 2013. And 
I, I remember when I started that I still didn't know what my creativity was, but I had to make this commitment to do something else because I knew that I had to embrace a new way of living. I just didn't really know what it was. And it scares the hell out of me to just put my soul out there so my parents could read along and my yeah. friends could read along. But I had to do it because I knew that was my way away from my old way of living. I had to go into something new. And I remember I made a lot of collages back then. And I can see now, 10 years later, that collages is my thing. I love making collages. Wow. Yeah, so were you totally on your own as far as discovering and playing or were you tapping into any collage communities or magazines or books or other blogs, let's say, or I don't even know if there were online art classes at that time, there might have been. So how did mm. you go from I have these supplies to I'm gluing paper onto paper and I kind of feel like I know what I'm doing? When I started blogging in Denmark, there were two communities. There were the one community where you were blogging on your own blog and you could see other blogs through blog loving. And then there was this blog called blogspot.com, I guess. And either way, you could you could refer to others' blogs. And it, back in Denmark in 2013, we had a lot of blog events. And if you were a creative blogger, then you had I don't know, 10 times a year, you could meet other creatives and, and then you could just have this Saturday together where you were sitting around a table and doing what you were doing. Some were sewing, some were embroidering, some were painting, some uh, all kinds of stuff. And then I found out, well, I'm not the only one here, but this was in Denmark. But what about my local area? Do I know anyone here? And then I just opened my door every Wednesday night for, I don't know, two or three years, I guess. I had this creative club, I called it. And I was just inviting through Instagram six ladies to sit around my kitchen table. And I, in the beginning, I, I didn't know what I was going into. But the very first evening, a very talented P Pia Doodle DM, she's called, she was sitting around my table and she was doing art journaling. And I was just, oh, what is that? She has been on YouTube for a couple of years and she has, she was obviously on Instagram, but I have never, ever heard about art journaling before that she was sitting in my kitchen. And she had some ladies in the close community that also came to my kitchen table. And that was actually my journey into mixed media, playing with Pushka pins, playing with gesso and acrylic paints and still making a lot of mess and still making some pretty collages. And I learned through her to buy my own books. And it was in 2014, I guess. That's incredible. And then, so it was like yeah. a group of women discovering yeah. together. Yeah. Yeah. But still, I was the only newbie the others had been in contact with their creativity their entire life. So I was the only one that was just, I felt like a child inside, actually. I felt that if I was 13 years old when I stopped being creative, now I'm just a 14-year-old soul grabbing up all the creative 
outcome again and then didn't actually at that time know what I was playing with. So I gave myself in 2014 an entire year to play with all the stuff. I made two, I made 365 mood boards in 2014 where I was just doing some kind of creative things. It could be just, it could just be just a flat lay where I just grabbed some things, but most of all it was part of a creative process that I was doing at that time. But I was this child rediscovering my own creativity again and all the wonderful ladies who came around my kitchen table, they knew their creativity. They were, well, I love this and I have loved this for years. And I was just that curious child just looking at all the other women and, oh, that looks amazing. Oh, how do you do that? Oh, what is that supply you have there? And I was just totally eye-opening to me to invite all those wonderful ladies around my kitchen table because I learned so much from them at that time in my journey. So I'm fascinated by your project. I've heard you talk about it before. And I've also recently heard some questions coming from our fodder school community where people are asking really good questions about people's routines and how you structure your day so that you have time that's dedicated to creativity. So in order to pull off a project like the one you pulled off and to experience the kind of personal artistic growth that comes from completing something like that, did you have a very kind of set schedule that you kept to in order to create these mood boards every day? I think that was what was helping me. It was that I made a commitment as I wrote about it at Instagram at the 1st of January 2014. And I said, well, I am going to do this. And then I told my entire family and my friends that this is my plan. This is my vision for 2014. I had just entered Instagram at that time. And I could just feel that Instagram is something about daily commitments. If you do something daily, then it would be good for you to be on Instagram. Because I just, it was a totally new media to me at that time. But I think that the commitment and also the expression to everyone that this is my focus. And, and then I had, I think when I woke up in the morning, I had this very, I have faith inside and I really had trust in the process that during the day there would be a mood board coming to me. It was just lying in my subconsciousness the entire day. I was, if I wasn't doing some kind of project, then I just had the feeling that it will appear during the day. And sometimes it appeared half an hour after I got up and it was just, oh, this is today's mood board. But sometimes it was at 10 o'clock in the evening. And I remember when I looking back at my mood boards, I, it was new on Instagram. So we had all these filters at that time. And all my filters were this very sepia, yellowish, oldish look. So it was okay to me that it was the picture was taken at 10 o'clock in the evening because I was just yellowing it down with some filters. But gotcha. But, so it wasn't it didn't matter that the lighting was not perfect no, because you no. were putting a filter on there and it made it look really yeah. good with that filter. Yeah. 
So yeah. I love that you had that feeling and that you connected with that place of confidence that if you just show up, that something is going to come through you that you don't have to worry about what yeah. you're going to create. And I want to tell you that very recently, like in the last couple of days, I've been listening to a book called The War of Art by Stephen Pressfield. It's either Pressfeld or Pressfield. Have you ever heard of this book? No. The War of Art. I think you would actually very much appreciate this book. Knowing you at this point, what I know about you, I think that you would really connect with it. It's, a, it's about internal resistance yeah. when you're a creative and one of his big points that I'm taking away from the book is not to worry about anything other than just showing up at your table or at your computer if you're a writer and you're going to be typing or at a pad of paper, whatever your art form is, mm. don't worry about the outcome. Just show up every yeah. single day. I and, totally agree. And he talks about how there is a God and there are angels and that I don't know what I believe. I, I'm open to anything. I don't have passing judgment. I'm just talking about what he writes about in the book. Yeah. I, I believe very much mystery. in <laughs> <laughs> I believe in, in it, energy. Energy. So he energy. also believes that there are energy, there are energies or energy, whatever, that that comes when you show up. And that we don't yeah. have to worry about it. It is just going to happen because there are mystical things that we don't understand. And the resistance comes from fear, which I knew without reading the book that fear and resistance are literally basically the same thing. Mm -hmm. And I have been making a focus of using Julia Cameron's idea of the morning pages and his idea of just showing up and not worrying about what is coming out to just connect with that in myself, which is where I don't need to know what I'm creating. Like, I don't have to worry about it. I just need to show up and start basically like, I, I would pretty much always start with scraping gesso onto a page in my art journal. And I don't know yeah. if I'm going to keep doing that as the first thing, but I just start with that. And then as mm -hmm. that's drying, I pull the next mark making tool out and I start making a mark with it. And I, I'm getting some pretty ugly stuff that's coming out, but I'm just, I'm there for whatever reason right now. I'm just, I'm here for this. It's like, I need to just not worry about the outcome, not not necessarily all the time rely on someone else's tutorial. So this is something that I wanted to talk about with you because I know that you're someone who creates online art courses. You give, I believe you have online live workshops. Do you do live I have live. Now? I do live, yeah, live workshops. workshops. So as someone who's part of both worlds, the showing up and letting it come through you and part of the world of creating and receiving tutorials, I'm just curious about, do you have a mm. preference in how you like to create? Would you rather just show up with no tutorial or do you prefer to create with someone holding your hand? Because I can see the benefit of both. And I know for me, I need both. Well, if, when I create for myself, I prefer to just mess around with all my stuff and not having any plan and just enjoying the process. I, everyone are always asking me, oh, can I buy this? And I was just, 
I don't know if you can buy this, but you can buy me. You can, I can show you everything I do. I can give you all my knowledge about the process and then it's all up to you. But I'm not showing up creating because I'm going to make something that you can buy. So it's just two different ways of creating, I guess. So I'm very concerned about when I create something for myself, it is for myself. It's not created because anyone should buy it. But when I host workshops, I'm very concerned that everyone should have exactly what they want from this workshop when they come home. They have to be satisfied. So I always ask people to to grab something that inspires them before they show up at my workshop. So they don't come as a totally blank canvas. I ask them to grab some kind of postcard or fabric or anything that inspires them at the moment because then when they bring this kind of mood board then I can I can see okay you like brown or you like blue or oh you want this I make a lot of books so it's just if you want a book that that you should have your summer holiday or your winter holiday so I can just feel what their intentions are at my workshop when they come to me with some kind of mood board and some come with 20 things that goes in 20 different directions and then I try to examine which of all those things you like the most at this time being but I'm very yeah I'm only showing up to enjoy the process so that is self-care for my soul to just mess around enjoying the process So was there ever a part of your story where you felt stuck or you felt unmotivated? I feel that often. (laughs) I do feel stuck often now and then. And when sometimes I create in waves, I guess. Sometimes I don't create two weeks in a row and I don't miss it. But then I feel like, oh, And if I don't feel like what to do, I often just create a book. And it's so funny because I have 20 books, I guess, that are just made and they are lovely and I love them. And I know exactly what phase I was going through when I made the books, but I have never worked in them. But sometimes I just pick up all those pretty papers and that speaks to each other. And then I just buy in the book. It's there is something incredibly appealing about handmade book making for mm. the people who make them because I'm always thinking deeply about this stuff like why are we so attracted to this one particular art form and I think that with handmade books because there is the opportunity inherent in them to use them that when we create beautiful handmade books there's always this lingering thing out there of maybe someday this will be a useful object not just a thing that I made because I needed to scratch my creative itch so it it holds in it everything like Mm -hmm. we get to play and have fun and create beauty and there is that element of maybe this will be useful and I think Mm -hmm. that's why it's so appealing where it's like you, you almost can have never ending fun just creating and creating handmade books yeah yeah and I have I promise you I have paper here so I can create a book for the rest of my life without shopping for any paper (laughs) (laughs) 
so when I met you, it was online on Instagram. And I do believe it was because you registered for fodder school one. And I do yeah. kind of remember you expressing how happy you were that we yeah. had reignited something inside of you. Yeah. And that's why I was yeah. asking you, do you ever struggle with creative block? And do you ever feel like you're at a lull? And it seemed like something about fodder school had reignited a passion for you. It really had, because when I started being creative back in 2014 and 15, I went to different kind of workshops because I was still searching. I didn't know what my goal was at that time, what my creativity was. And then I had all these materials and I bought all these materials and I played with them. And then I stored them again in beautiful boxes. And one of the things I stored in beautiful boxes were handcap stamps. And I guess that I had made about 50, 60, 70 handcap stamps and they were very pretty. But when I made them, I didn't know what I was going to use them for. It was just that, well, I made one stamp with a pretty flower or a pretty leaf. And then I just stored it in that pretty box. And I remember one day in the summer of 2021, I listened to you and Tiffany's podcast about the photo school and it was just you were saying something about we don't tell you which colors you work with you find your own color scheme and we was just we will just invite you to explore a lot of different processes and then we will show you all kind of mixed media projects and processes and I was just now I can play again with all the things that I have just stored for years and I don't know what I was going to use them for. And it was just, it really light a fire inside of me. And I was just like, I remember instantly I was attending the school because I felt that I needed that at that time of the year. It was after the pandemic and I had two, two family members that has just passed away, not about not because of corona but because of other things and it was just it's just been a summer of misery for me so it was just i needed some happy energy i needed something playfulness again and i really think that photo school is the way really an amazing school that that unites all kinds of mixed media people all around the world and i love that we are not told that this project you have to use turquoise and orange and and play around with, with these two colors it's just I love that you can use exactly the colors that speaks to your heart and inspire each other to see what I have created and I see people created exactly the same course but I can see that the expressions are totally different than mine and I love it. So I love one it. thing that you and I really like share as far as passions go is color. Like mm. your passion for color and your connection with the colors that you love is always coming through in mm. your work. And I have no idea like if everyone who makes art is as color obsessed as you are or as I am. <laughs> but I oftentimes think, I think the reason I show up is because of color. Like I show up because I get to experience color. I get to experience 
color mixing and how colors play with each other. And that's definitely something that I see with you because you're always drawn to using, I don't, I, I don't really, I don't know how exactly to wrap my brain around the level of fun that you and I have with color and whether or not other people have that kind of level <laughs> of fun with it. But tell me about the project that you've been working on that I see you posting about on Instagram because you're deep in it with color. I love pink and green. <laughs> and I <laughs> yeah, totally pink, pink and green. And and green in, in various colors because I love the emerald green and the mint green and the pale green. And I love any shade of pink too. Hot pink, neon pink, soft pink. Yeah. Yeah. And, all the and, green, and right, all the pinks. <laughs> and right now I'm actually on a mission to find every kind of pink that I can get from nature. And I started with avocado because I love very much the perfect shade of soft avocado pink. But I'm really interested in what I can what I can find in my closest nature that actually can turn out to 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 being pink. Right now I'm just obsessed about making inks and I've just learned to make hand make watercolors as well. And it's just a really eye-opening to me that you can go out in your very close nature and bring that onto your creative table in so many levels. So, so do you see yourself making small batch art supplies and selling them? Because no, not that everything has to be commercialized, but if you have a joy of that process, I could easily see that you would make too yeah. much. You know what I mean? If you make a yeah. batch of avocado ink, it depends how many avocados you eat because obviously you need the skins and the pits to make it. But when I've made avocado dye in the past, I made so much of it, yeah. way more than I could ever use in a lifetime. So yeah. what are you, yeah. So tell me what you're thinking and feeling about making so much. Well, I'm not seeing myself at all selling small batches of anything. Actually, I cannot, I, no. I don't feel that. I just feel that I have to enjoy the process and I have to examine all the colors in my local surroundings. And I can see myself writing a book about it. Yeah. And people wow. in my <laughs> Yeah, people in my closest creative inner circles are saying, Oh, you should write a book. And I maybe I should write two books or three books. I don't know. But it's just that there are lots of books about eco-dying and pigments and inks but not in Danish so maybe I was oh. just start doing something in Danish do you know what there isn't a book that I'm aware of for natural dyes in mixed media art there's You're a probably. lot of fabric dyeing hmm. books where you can get all the information about how to make the dye baths and hmm. but there and there's maybe a little bit of information about making an ink for painting but I've never seen anyone go like whole hog. In America, we say whole hog. I don't even know why. <laughs> whole hog. Go whole hog into using this in the mixed media art way that, no, that right. you know that your work with 
creating collage papers, using it in collage, using Mm. it in mixed media art, using it in art journaling. I've never seen that. I had actually just remember that last year in September when I hosted a big uh, bookmaking workshop, I had uh, all my hand-dyed paper with me. And I said to everyone, well, if you need something in these pale colors, because it is pale colors when you work with nature, if you need anything yellowish, greenish, pinkish in soft tones, then just please use all the papers that I have here. And people were just totally hoarding and they were just yeah taking papers with them home. And I just loved it because then I knew that I just go home and make some new dye bath and make some new avocado pink paper and it's all good. So, so I just re- I realized I just misspoke. So there actually is someone, Robin Marie. So she has a course on dyeing of paper with natural dyes. And it's a really good course. And that was actually my first course that I took of making my own dye baths. But then using them in the art, that's where I was thinking, like, there aren't really a lot of mixed media artists who are taking the things that they're creating and using it in their art. But there is a dyeing class. Yeah, that lots yeah. of dyeing classes. But right. when we're talking about a book, I guess that lots of classes. Yeah, but then the using of it is yeah. there's less, less that less that I'm aware of. And again, not like everybody needs a class. There's a lot of people who can work without having a class. They they just they mm-hmm. have that confidence to show up and let the yeah. the energy come to them and create something. And then there's something else that just came to me about that the difference in just showing up versus showing up to an online course or an in-person course. So the one thing that I've noticed that I don't love about just showing up and doing art creation, like it's a morning pages exercise, is I miss the connection with other people. So I get a lot of connection with myself from just showing up and making art. But when I make art from a course, I connect with other people in a way Mm. that I really would, I would not be happy if I was just making art on my own. I don't know how you feel about that. I feel mixed because I know that Instagram has totally opened my world into creativity. And I love, love, love the community in photo school, which we have on Facebook, where we really chat with each other. But Sometimes I feel that just give me an island where I can live for myself and I don't need to make any money. And then I was just be in that island creating all day just for myself. And that would satisfy you. I think everyone yeah, is so different. But, yeah, but maybe I would get bored after one month on that island. I don't know. But sometimes I, I think it's sometimes I feel it's stressful that you. I show up for myself. But sometimes I also feel that I show up for some of my followers. Oh, absolutely. The stress of that is not actually fun. So that's not the kind of connection that fills me up in a positive way. It's more the low key. It's more the quiet kind of connection where I'm watching a course. Someone's teaching 
I feel like when I'm watching their course, I'm connecting with them, even though they may not feel it at the moment, but I sure feel it. And then if I take pictures of the work and I'm posting it in the Facebook group, I'm connecting then with the other people who are also doing that same course. That's the kind of connection that satisfies me and makes me feel like I'm part of something that's greater than myself, which I think is a huge thing for me might not be for other Absolutely. people creating for Instagram is draining. It's not, it's like Instagram can be the most fun thing or the most not fun thing. Yeah. <laughs> it's really <laughs> fun when you post something and it gets really good response. And I know that every, everyone feels this, no matter how many followers you have, if you have 50 followers or you have 50,000 followers, we all feel the exact same way. It's just, it's all in relative numbers. When you post the art that came from your hard work and your heart and you don't get a lot of comments or you don't get a lot of likes relative to the number of followers you have, it can feel very not fun, kind of a bummer. Like, why did I spend all that time creating that thing? And I'm sharing my heart and nobody's really responding. And even though I know that it has a lot to do with the algorithm that's constantly changing, Mm. and it actually has a lot less to do with my art or me or whether people like me or not. It's just a lot of it is just this horrible, unfortunate algorithm situation, which I do understand why it has to exist. But it's it can be very draining, I think, for everyone. And then the yeah. flip side of it is you post something and people are loving it or you post a description of something and you're connecting with people and they're talking in the comments section and that lights me on fire. And that <laughs> like that lights me on fire like nothing. I love that. I love sharing yeah. and sparking communication and making there's without Instagram, Suzanne, you and I would not know each other. No, no, we wouldn't. And it's so beautiful that we do. Yeah. I, 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 and I feel completely the same way, but I don't think that I ever think when I'm creating something that it's for my followers, but I was just, well, maybe some days. Yeah. I don't know. I, I think that I create two or three times as much things that I post on Instagram. I create a lot of things that I never post. And I do a lot of collages that I never post. So I do a lot of work that is only from me to me. And I think that it's very important thing of my own creativity that I'm just showing up for myself. So that's a really interesting road that we could go down a conversation. So what you're saying is that what you choose to post is chosen by you. And it might be for a variety of reasons. I'm going to ask you what, what determines whether you post something or not. Is it because you like it more? If you really like something, are you like, oh, I'm going to post that thing? Because I really like that thing. I think that's because a lot of my art is actually quite personal. Especially when I make collages, I use a lot of words. And 
obviously because I'm Danish, it's often Danish words. And I have chosen Midkreerum to be only in English now. So I don't think that it makes any sense to any of my followers if I post something that is completely Danish. But I still needed to do that collage to just soothe my soul. So every time, if I have some kind of block and I don't know what to do, if I'm sitting at a table and I don't know what to do today, I always grab a big pile of magazines and let the magazine speak to me. And then I can just spend hours cutting out magazines, finding colors or words or headlines that just speaks to me. And then I make some kind of collages only for myself. Do you have a book that you always do those collages no, in or are no. they done on separate sheets of paper? Yeah. And they hang here in my creative space. When I just look around, I can see one, two, three, four, five, six, seven collages that speaks to me. It's kind of a, I don't know if it's a mood board or a kind of vision board or kind of dream board, but it's just something that speaks to me that day. And I can totally recall all the feelings when I created it. And are you always flipping through magazines looking for pinks and greens? Most of the times it's pink and greens. <laughs> yeah. I would yeah, love sometimes. to see these collages. I feel like this would make good content for a reel where you hold, where you lay each one down as the video camera is going so people can see 10 of them or something like that. Because this yeah. is fascinating. You're saying there's a whole world of Suzanne that yeah, we're actually not seeing. So yeah. I'll just throw this out there. I, so, I think, I, I think it yeah. has something to do with the secret, the law of attraction, that it's like actually kind of small dream boards that, that things that I want to realize, things that I don't know, but I need, or I think it's just small kind of, Oh, like vision Heavy boarding. Intention. Yeah. Gotcha. So that's not maybe something you want to share with the world because this is very personal. This is what you would like to create for yourself. Not necessarily you want everybody to know what's going on in your head all the time. Yeah. But I think I, I probably could show some of them. I have this Danish account too called Flower Your Life or let your life bloom or what's it called in Danish it's called let it live blomstra and it's because I want to bring my creativity back to basic and tell the Danish ladies how I create and actually I show some of those collages on my Danish Instagram account because I feel that it can everyone can grab a pile of magazine and make some kind of vision board or dream board for themselves can you spell uh, that I, so people can find that account as well? Oh, they can just go into Midkreerum and then okay. I have, I have a, link. A, a link there. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. I'm pretty sure I followed that other account as well, but now I really want to go back and look at it. And that account, I often only post one or two times a month. It, I'm not very good at posting there. Sometimes I have a plan and... Yeah, and I'm not always fulfilling my own plans. I have 10,000 ideas each day. And sometimes I just have to go with one of the ideas. <laughs> That's a good problem to have. 10,000 ideas each day. I never run out of ideas.
that's because you open yourself up and you just show up and you like let them come through you yeah and I'm confident I have this very awareness inside of me that I believe that all that should come to me is coming to me I don't know if said that but yeah yeah but I really it's my deep belief that I'm on the right path I'm on the right place and everything is exactly as it's supposed to be and I'm just confident that what comes my way is supposed to come my way coming back to just that question that someone posed within fodder school about how you structure your time do you have a set time each day that you know like from this time to this time I'm definitely not making other plans I'm not scheduling other things or does it happen randomly like how do you manage to get so much creative time mm, well I have a normal job going to Monday Tuesday and Thursday and Friday so the only days that I'm totally off are Wednesdays and the weekend but I work as an activity coordinator with the elder people at a nursing home and When I get up in the morning at six o'clock, I have to work at a quarter past eight. So each morning we don't have children. So each morning I have my own time to just finding myself and being, having a good start of the day. And after this index card a day challenge started last week, I have given myself half an hour each morning in my greenhouse, just making a collage of the day a tiny collage on a tiny index car. And it's actually the best decision I've ever made, just sitting in my greenhouse this half an hour each morning, listening to the birds and enjoying the sun that is rising on the sky. And it's just so soothing to be there. And I think it's been last year since I've been creating in my greenhouse. So that's just a new morning routine that is absolutely amazing for me. But most of the time I create is in the afternoon, I guess. But I'm not scheduling at all. I'm just very loose, I guess, when it comes to creativity. And I don't show up every day. I know that there are days that I don't show up. But I try. I tried also with the 100-day project. And I showed up for about 25 or 30 days. And then I got bored in my own project. So I'm very curious (laughs) if I will fulfill this. 61 days making X cards. So what, but, when you do things like commit to a hundred day project or the ICAD hmm. and you find yourself getting bored and having incredible resistance and it's not resistance to making art. It's just resistance to doing the same thing over and over. Do you yeah. allow yourself that space to just move on or do you spend a lot of time beating yourself up how does that work because I know everyone mm-hmm. everyone has different reactions yeah. I think that I know that I am capable of showing up 365 days in a row so even though I have this commitment that I should show up for 100 days then I am allowed to change my opinion and it's very basic to me that even though I had I had an idea and if I feel that if I struggle, I need to examine why do I struggle? Is it because of what I'm doing? Is it because that I have to show up? Is it because I have to share? What is it that I'm actually struggling with? 
And in the 100 day project, I was struggling with my own structure and it was too narrow to me. But I feel that this index card a day where I've chosen to, to explore my nature, my first, it was the birds of my garden, but then I found out that I do not have 61 birds in my garden. <laughs> so then I also started by documenting butterflies. And I found out that maybe we only have about, I don't know, six or seven butterflies in the garden. So now I'm also looking for flowers and I have hundreds of flowers in my garden. But I'm just looking at in, in old books. I have a lot of old books that I use for workshops with beautiful flower illustrations and birth illustrations. And it's those very very beautiful books that I'm just making collages from at the moment. And I think that also because I want I want to explore my close nature in my garden. I want to have this little world of my world. And so I actually think that this index card a day fits totally in my little world, documenting my little world and a little I, piece of nature. I, I really, love nature. really like you. <laughs> I just really like I like all the projects you do I like the fact that you like quit when you need to quit I like the fact that you are like I don't make art every day because I think that's very real like the idea that we're all making art every day and that every day is a day that we have the time and the space and the energy to make art I think sets up a false expectation for other people yeah everyone's got life like it life isn't always about making art every day as much as it's no. seen that no. way There's a and, and when I when I look around here in my creative space I can see that I have I'm, I've made so many things the past 10 years so it's just that that it's one of Julie Cameron's things not in the first book the artist ways but in the second book what is it called in English? Well, I just, I cannot remember, but she, okay, has, so a follow, she has a second follow up. book. Okay. She has a second book, Walking. No, no, it comes to me in a minute. And in, in that book, she's talking about a tada list, tada, instead of a to-do list. So you have to sometimes just stop up and, and do this list about all the things that you actually have accomplished. We have this oh. tendency to always look at all the things that we need to do. And instead of having that focus of all the things we need to do, we have to stop up and look back and give yourself a big thanks for all the things that you have actually has accomplished. Big things I, or small things. I really like that. That's yeah. very and it healthy. Was, Really an eye-opener for me, and I guess back in 2014 and 15, when I really was working with Julia Cameron's book, I made a Tadar list. Every Sunday afternoon, I sat down and I write, I have made this and that, and meet those people, and drank a good cup of coffee with him or her, and it was just, it was big things or small things but it's actually also when you go out in the garden and you have this feeling that you have to do this in the garden and you have this big plan about all the things you have to do in the garden and then you only you only have time to do one of or two of the things and then you go inside with a feeling oh I need to do this and this and this and you should never go in with that feeling you should go in with the feeling that oh I accomplished this and that in the garden today 
oh, and I look at those things and oh, it's so pretty that I actually did those two things. And I know that another day I can do other things, but I have to go inside after gardening with the feeling that I'm satisfied. It's okay. I did what I could do. And I always do. I always try to do the same also when I'm creative. It's not, I don't need to do things, but I should recognize myself. I should no, not recognize. I should give thanks to myself for all the things that I actually have accomplished. Even though I have plenty of things on my to-do list that I would love to do as well. That's beautiful. Yeah, it's very a game changer for me to just be in peace with what I have been doing and not being completely mad about all the things that I could have been doing, but I don't have the time to do. While you were talking about your garden, (laughs) my mind went to all of my peonies that are at the end of their blooming season right now and how maybe there's a way that I could capture that beauty. So tell me about the process of capturing a nature, like a dye from nature, from natural materials. So if I took a big bowl full of peony leaves how do I create an ink from that? Not peony uh, leaves, peony petals. Pet the petals yeah, from the, the dark petals. pink peonies. Yeah, I have actually never worked with the peony before, so I don't know which color they will give. I know that the leaves print very pretty green colors if you print, if you. But I've never tried to make an ink. In my experience, about 80% of nature turns out yellowish, brownish. And you have to know all the shades that could turn out greenish or pinkish, reddish. But if you, yeah, you have to just try. <laughs> so what try is the process that what you happens. do? You my simmer, process, you simmer my them? Process, yeah, I simmer them below boiling temperature. Yeah. And... Then sometimes I simmer for only 20 minutes because I can see that after 20 minutes, it's starting to get some kind of pale color, more brown color. But sometimes you have to simmer for three or four hours. It's very depending on what you're working with. Avocado, we talked about avocado earlier, the two of us. And you said that avocado is very good if you wait 24 hours. And I can sometimes make a perfect avocado in half an hour, but it also depends about the pH value, if if it's acid or what you put in and which kind of water you are boiling it with. Is wow. it rain water? Is it tap water? Oh so yeah, it is. It is a little bit about chemistry, and I, sometimes I feel like a little alchemist just playing in my kitchen. So I think I just yeah. have to go for it. I think I just have to gather yeah. up all yeah. these dark pink peony leaves. Yeah. See what comes out. Yeah. See, put a little water in, simmer it for a while, yeah. look at it, see. So it, if you do have a cup, the, the problem, color, the, yeah. The problem with inks are that you have to that you have to get rid of all the water afterwards. Well, you have to 
do your plant soup and then you have to take off the lid and then you had to the all the water almost have to disappear just well, that was what i wanted to know so do you yeah. just simmer it very low to let all the yeah. water evaporate yeah. out so that you yeah. have without a the thicker lid. ink yeah I'm going to try it. I think after this yeah, call, I'm going to hop outside with please a bowl. And because all the petals are falling off, it's yeah. making a mess. They're not pretty anymore. Yeah. My, um, my only advice is that always use a separate pot. Never use a pot that you're using in the kitchen. When I do eco-dyeing, I have a special pots only for yeah, eco-dyeing. And it's because pot. I know that I sometimes use a little bit of alum or a little bit of this or that. And I don't want it to be mixed with my normal kitchen supply. Yeah. We've got so. a really good dedicated pot for that because we've done a lot of nature dyeing a mm. lot in this kitchen. My daughter is, she's a weaver and a knitter and a crocheter and she spins her own yarn. So she'll, oh. she'll make the yarn and then she'll go out in nature and gather a bunch of stuff and then create the dye and then she'll dye wow. her own yarn and then she'll knit wow. crochet from that yarn and She's actually doing her but you, you research can, project. Yeah. <laughs> you can take all her old dyes, even though you have used the dye for dyeing yarns or fabrics, then there's still color left in the dye. Yes, a lot. Yeah. And that, that you can turn into an ink if you just reduce it. Let it simmer. Yeah, reduce yeah. it. Yeah. Maybe we'll do yeah. that today. But, but the problem, and it's also about loving the process again. The problem is that the colors won't last forever. The colors maybe last half a year, maybe two years, maybe oh, five really? years. Oh, really? Wow. So that's the, yeah. So the light fastness is not good. So that's the problem with eco-dyeing. Yeah. Some things in nature wow. is lasting for years. And that's why the you have to do what the old recipes says if you want colors to last forever just like the big tapestries that are made in France yeah all the silks there are made of dyes that you have known for ages to be long lasting colors for plus oh, hundred years because they know like this specific plant yeah has yeah has color mm. in it that will last for centuries yeah versus yeah. this which is going to disappear in six months yeah so probably the reason we haven't heard about a lot of people talking about using peonies as dye is because whatever you get out of it either is not going to be pink, it's just going to be yellow, and it's going to fade. It's going to fade. <laughs> in six but, but the most perfect thing to me is that I am an art journalist. So every time I work with all the eco dye paper in an art journal, it's not exposed very much to light. So I can take out art journals that I created four years ago, and they are still pretty in colors. And all the things I've created in the books are still the same colors as three or four years ago. But it's because it's not exposed for light when you are playing inside your journal. But it's another thing if you're making this very pretty piece and hang it on the wall, then it will faint over time. I'm doing a Google search right now for peony natural dye. <laughs> Do that. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, please, please let me know the result. It's just so fun. It's such a rabbit hole. It's such a beautiful it is, experience. It is a I totally hole. get why you're obsessed with it right now. It just, it's so much fun. Oh, my gosh. The whole nature dyeing process. Oh, my gosh. So fun. All right. So before I let you go, I just want to mention to anyone listening that Suzanne is 
one of our fodder school three instructors and i'm so excited that our journey together is coming to this point where you're going to be a teacher in fodder school it's i'm so excited too yeah it's just such a i don't know it's just such an incredible slow connection that we've made over years and tell us a little bit about what you're going to be bringing to fodder school I will bring mood boards to photo school. I, and I really want people to explore their own surroundings and explore their own creativity and what they love and what they feel speaks to their heart. And I think that is what photo school is all about, that listening to yourself and not just copying what others are doing, but really finding out what is my voice what are my favorite colors? What do I love and what do I don't love? Yeah. So I think that mood boarding is very, yeah, I love it. I love it because I use it a lot in my own workshops too. And I use it every time I grab some paper, I always start making a mood board before I, I bind the book. But then I'm also going to make an awesome kind of photo school portfolio where you can gather all your techniques and all your pretty creations and all the things that you want to, to keep track. I know that we in photo school has a photo school notebook as well, but I have not been very good at using my photo school notebook because sometimes I don't want to glue in my best creations. But this portfolio is a different thing to and I don't want to tell what it is, but people can see what it is when they join photo school. But I think that it's a book that that you will love having the entire photo school year, and you will love to see it express and develop and be your portfolio, your photo school portfolio over the year. I love it. I cannot wait. I just cannot wait. I've seen a prototype of it and I think it's going to be amazing. So with that, I think I'm going to let you go. <laughs> I have really enjoyed chatting with you. I'm so oh. excited about being a teacher and I'm really loving this fellow school community. Well, we are so excited to have you and your experience, your philosophy, the way that you connect with your art. I just can't wait to have everyone experience that. And this podcast episode is like a taste of what's to come because we're going to have the full experience of you. And I'm really excited for that. I really appreciate you, Suzanne. I think you're an amazing person. Thank you so much. And I am so thank you that you and Tiffany has invited me into this photo school family. I'm so happy and grateful. Awesome. All right. Thanks, Suzanne. And thank you, Wendy. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Show Up or Shut Up podcast. If you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to this podcast and leave a rating and review. And once again, you can find me, Wendy, free gifts for newsletter subscribers, 
online classes with me and many other incredible instructors, my blog, and everything else at willowwanders.com and on Instagram at willa.wanders. Talk to you soon. Until then, stay curious and keep making.